Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Jack Wagon Sports Podcast here on the Jack Wagon Network. Uh, we have a great show for you guys today. Uh, Slade is in a hotel with shitty Wi-Fi. Nick is in a new apartment with uh, outlets that don't work. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic shit show. Uh, we are excited to bring we it to you guys. It. Yeah, we might. We might give up halfway and just turn it off. Uh, we'll see. But uh, nonetheless, it was a, a great week, weekend in sports. Uh, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, started off, as we always do, uh, with the NBA Finals in progress. Um, right now, series is tied 1-1. Boston wins game one. Golden State game two. Uh, Slade, we'll go to you first. What were your thoughts on both games? Uh, are you sticking with your pick? Uh, you took Golden State in seven, or excuse me, you took Golden State in six. Uh, you sticking with that? You feel good about that? You want to change it at all? Uh, but your thoughts on the first two games? Uh, I think first two are um, <laughs> Boston showed up first game. Yeah. Long series, Golden State was rested. Um, they showed up. And then the Warriors turned it on in second what 20 or something like that uh uh yeah i'm sticking with six okay okay i I mean i I feel like it i mean obviously it's it's definitely still in play um but uh nick your thoughts on the first two games are you sticking with boston i think did you take yeah you took them in six okay you stick with that uh you feel good about that and your thoughts on the first two games uh yeah so um I'm definitely I'll, – I'll just start off and say I'm definitely going to stick with it. It's still in play. Obviously, for Boston to do it in six, uh, they were going to have to steal a road game somewhere. Um, actually, two? Yeah, they'd have to steal – no. One. They could. Yeah, they could get away with it still one, um, which starting out with the first game uh, was great for them. I am slightly worried because the Golden State that we've seen in game two um, – was the Golden State that I was worried about, you know, when we were making our predictions. Now, there's a few things uh, that, that could have gone differently. Um, I believe it was Marcus Smart that I was watching in game two. Took a lot of bad shots. Um, you know, guy in his face, turnaround jumpers, like just not smart NBA final shots. Um, you know, obviously he knows what he's doing. Maybe it's a little NBA finals nerves. You know, maybe he just was worried with Tatum not scoring as much in the first game. He felt like he had to do more, even though Tatum had a great second game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so obviously I'd like to see some of those things cleaned up. But nonetheless, uh, I'm still feeling pretty good about Boston in six. Yeah, uh, so I took Boston in seven. I still feel good about that. I mean, if you think back, both the last two series uh, Boston had, they got blown out by the Bucks in one of the games, and I'm pretty sure the Heat uh, – I don't think it blew him out, but had a decent-sized victory. Um, yeah, like you said, Boston definitely could have done a lot of things differently, but Golden State is showing you why they are one of the best teams in the NBA uh, when their their full squad is healthy. Um, and they just put on an offensive clinic. Uh, now, listen, I've, there was probably a few questionable calls, you could argue, but not enough that you could say if all of those calls went the right way, um, it was going to close the gap 20 points. Um, I do, but before, or before you go yeah. on, I did want to touch on, uh, I don't know if you watched the game or not, but Draymond Green had had a technical foul early. Um, yeah. Shocker. And <laughs> there was a play, 
I believe it might have been Mark Smart again. Um, maybe Jalen Brown was the one taking the bad shots. I don't remember. I was under the influence as well. I was watching the game. So the fact that I remember it at all, uh, shocking. But nonetheless, um, there was an opportunity where he had fouled Smart on a three-point shot. When Smart went down to the court, he went down to the court with him. He put his legs yeah, on uh, yeah, top that's, of Smart. Yeah. Yeah. And then he pulled his um, pants down, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And the announcers uh, and even the replay uh, guy that they have come on, I forget his name, were talking about how in any other scenario, it would be. Uh, it should have been another, another flagrant. Yeah. Technical. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously they talked about it. It, effect, it. it would have had an effect on the game and the refs, you know, are, are trying to avoid having an effect on the game. Mm-hmm. And I completely disagree with that. I think if you're going to be in the finals and you don't want to have an effect on it, you should call the game 100%, you know, fairly and accurately. And I'm not just saying that because I'm rooting for Boston in this series. If it was the other way around, I would have said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's Draymond Green, and his his skill set at this point is basically defense and trash talking and getting in people's heads. And, you know, he's going to push the boundaries on that every single game um and i think you kind of have to put your foot down and say okay we're not going to let you go crazy with this and just mm-hmm. do whatever the hell you want there are still rules in basketball and they still need to be followed um to, just wanted to touch on that a little bit yeah, yeah to, to add to that nick um that that exact situation is what affected them being up 3-1 against cleveland a couple years ago he got that second technical ended up putting him out for the next game and the Cleveland Cavaliers ended up gaining steam and coming back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I mean, it's, it's always funny to me when, when refs say that. Because, listen, you, you are right. You shouldn't be affecting the outcome of a game in a negative way. Like, if it would have been, like, a questionable call and they gave it to him, it's like, okay, like, then, you, yeah, you can sit here and argue with this and, like, hey, you know, you're doing too much with the game. With how egregious that was, yeah, you should have called it. Yeah. Um, but I always laugh, like, you hear the NFL refs say this all the time. Uh, NHL, MLB umpires is like, oh, you know, we're not, we're not trying to, and it, it, especially in the playoffs, like, oh, we're not trying to affect the game. You know, we want to let, let, let them have at it. But it's like, then you turn around, and they make like the most egregious call sometimes that ends up affecting the game. And it's like, yeah. I mean, you, th- you think back to the Saints and the NFC Championship game a couple years ago with that no call pass interference. And it's like, yep. come like, yeah, let them play, but at the same time, like, damn, when it's that bad, you gotta yeah. call it. Like, th- yeah. there's there's no way to avoid that. Like, I mean, if it's a little tiki tack shit, okay, yeah, hey, let, let's let that slide. Uh, they'll work it out. It, when it escalates to that level, they need to step in and, and make that call. And like I said, it's not just the NBA; it is every professional league, even college. You know, referees and umpires that just at the worst times are like, oh no, we're we're gonna let it go, and it's just like, yeah. Well, but yeah, like he made yeah. a great point. You know, he said, "You can't if you're Draymond Green, like you can't be counting on the refs, you know, to yeah. give you that slip." Like, yeah, absolutely. You, his next, his next technical will come super quick. Oh yeah, they will not review it. They won't think about it. He'll get it right away. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, just real quick, just to wrap up on this. Uh, I mean, Boston's heading to home now. Uh, they always seem to play really well in front of their home crowd. Um, you know, the city they. Their hockey team got, gets knocked out in game seven. Uh, the Pats haven't been super great here as of late without Brady. Uh, so that I feel like that atmosphere at, at the Garden is just going to be absolutely insane. 
Uh, I'm excited to see game three tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, moving on from the NBA finals, we have the conference finals in the NHL. And one of them is already over after seven days. Um, not really. I don't, I thought the Oilers would put up a little bit more of a fight. Uh, Slade thought they were going to win it. Slade, you had Edmonton in six. Your thoughts on the series real quick. Um, I know you watched a good bit of the, the games. Uh, your thoughts real quick on the series. Uh, I, I thought for sure that Connor McDavid was going to beat Nathan McKinnon in this series. I thought that it was like the last years when they said that they didn't lose to a team. They lost to one guy. I thought for sure that this was going to be a two person star battle. And yeah. uh, it, it was, it just didn't go. I mean, it wasn't like that, but it, it the other guy won basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess I, it would have been smarter to pick them in seven. So it wouldn't have looked as bad. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely a good one. I mean, they've, they've just been a powerhouse. I was mm-hmm. thinking that their power was coming to an end and it just didn't. Yeah. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on the series you had, I believe you took, you took Colorado in six. We, we all had it ending in six games. Nick and I had Colorado Slade's the only one to take Edmonton. Uh, but yeah, your thoughts on the series real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it seems you look at the sweep and it seems like, you know, Colorado just kind of mopped the floor with it. But if you think about it, it really wasn't as bad as four to nothing sounds, um, you know, in a best of seven series. Uh, the first game was high slaughter. Yeah, um, it was a slaughter. I'll talk about it. You can go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and even I believe, yeah, game three that I watched. Uh, um, I think somebody's truck backfired, but nonetheless. Um, Connor McDavid came out game three and was absolutely fired up. Um, I texted you guys. Uh, he scored in the first, I want to say it was the first minute. Yeah, I think it was like 30 um, seconds in. Yeah, yeah, it was like 30 fast as hell. And you could tell his energy the whole game was there. Um, it's kind of a shame that his teammates didn't follow along with that energy and match him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was somebody that he wanted to win. And, you know, uh, Evander Kane came out like 30 seconds after his goal and got a, I believe they called it a cross checking. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it was a pretty brutal five minute major. They ended up killing it. Um, But it it pretty much seemed like the energy after that, uh, that penalty kill just didn't live up to i they were the whole team was hype after the Connor mcdavid goal but after that that penalty um the rest of the game was just uh lackluster from edmonton kind of like you said not necessarily a shock but then also kind of a shock um you know you look at colorado in the season they had in edmonton and barely making it to the playoffs it seems fitting um but edmonton did not look like a you know a barely making the playoffs team. So mm-hmm. um, I, I wish we could have seen more out of this series because uh, between McDavid, Dreisaitl, McCarr, you know, the, the whole lot of talent that was on that ice on any given night, um, it was entertaining. Whether whether it was, a you know, 4-0 sweep or not, it was definitely entertaining. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, yeah, I had Colorado in six. I, I was surprised it ended in four. Like you said, I wanted the entertainment factor of of watching McDavid and McKinnon go at it. Um, game game one went very similar to how game one went in the Calgary series for Edmonton. Uh, I don't I don't know what it was with them in, in game one of both series, um, but 
they, they did regroup a little bit for game two. Um, but Colorado was just feeding off the energy of that building. I don't think there was much they could do. And then you talk, they go to game three, McDavid scores in a heartbeat. Um, and the, the biggest thing for me is when Kane takes that penalty, like you said, one, their energy went out, but two, that's just the, the dumbest shit you can do. Like, it's one thing to, to do something like that to try and get momentum back when, like, say, if, if Colorado would have scored first in, in, like, 30 seconds. Then it's something where, like, and again, I'm not saying you should ever dump somebody into the boards head first. Um, it was just a bullshit penalty regardless. But, um, you know, you want to go take a big hit or go start a fight or something to get momentum back. When you have momentum like that, and when you're trying to even the series, there is zero reason to try and do that. And, and try and make that statement hit at that point in the game. Like that was just so boneheaded. And that's been a Vander Kane his whole life. Oh, he's a, he's a great skater. He's a, he's a great scorer, but he just does the stupidest shit sometimes. And then he gets himself in this situation. He got banned for game four and they could have desperately, desperately used him in game four. They would have won. And, yeah. I, oh, I guarantee you, they would have won in game four. Um, if Vander Kane was out there on the ice, because Dreisaitl and McDavid can only do so much. And I knew Mike Smith was going to be a, a, a liability the entire series. He kind of picked it up a little bit in, in game three and four. Um, but you, you needed another score, another role player out there with those, excuse me, with those two to, to even the playing field a little bit. And with, with him taking that dumb penalty that I knew right then and there that, that the series was over, basically. Um, I was surprised. That's why he's in debt. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that they forced it to game four um, or excuse me, forced game four in the overtime, um, especially with the, the, the second and third period that Colorado had. Um, but yeah, uh, not very surprised that Colorado won the series overall. I just honestly, I wanted to go seven just to see the entertainment factor. Uh, speaking of series that might go seven, uh, we have the Rangers and the lightning uh, Rangers lead two one right now uh, game four, excuse me, is tonight. Uh, this is Tuesday night as recording when we post this. It'll already happen. Um, Slade, you have the Rangers in five. Your your thoughts on the first three games, are you sticking with Rangers in five? I am. I think that the Rangers could have won game three. Yeah, I think that they could be up 3-0 right now and could easily take a loss tonight with being up 3-0 and take it back to New York to win in five. Um. I think now they're they're still going to win in five, but I think they're just going to have to do it on the road and then at home. Yeah. Uh, Nick, your, your thoughts on the series so far? You have the Rangers in seven. Yeah. Um, to piggyback off of what Slade said, Rangers very easily could be up 3 nothing right now. Um, I'm not sure what Tampa Bay team we're watching right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. It is not the same Tampa Bay team that played the first two series in the playoffs. You know, maybe that that victory in game three will help bolster them a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see, especially with the, the first series being done already. <laughs> I'm sorry, what the fuck are you doing? I was trying what? to get the game on. <laughs> <laughs> I just look up and Slade's just like looking up. And I thought he was playing with the lights or something. I was like, what the fuck? All right, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> You're kidding. Um, Especially with the the first series being over already, I would I would not mind seeing the series go to seven at all. Yeah, um, you know, at least entertain me a little bit here, because um, who knows what we're gonna get in the finals, you know, with Colorado. Um, but nonetheless, 
I, I didn't. This series has looked different than I thought it was gonna, as far as like actual on the ice play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 scoring or the the series points itself are kind of about where I expected. Um, but we still got a lot of hockey to play here. Um, I don't think, like I said, I, I think with Tampa Bay winning this last game, they're gonna come out with some fight. You know they're gonna put up everything they have. I think they kind of needed that wake up call of going down to nothing. Um, but the Rangers have not. Did the, did they lead this um, second round at all? I'm trying to remember. Uh no. They were down in both series, were they not? I believe so. Yeah. Um. So this is new for us as far as the Rangers this year in the playoffs. Um, it was it was tied going to. Carolina, oh, yeah, Carolina, yeah, Carolina led was up. Yeah, they yeah, went Carolina two. They, they led one nothing, two and one, three, three yeah. two, and then yeah. Okay, I thought so. Um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, a huge advantage to New New York because they've been playing, you know, behind the entire playoffs. So, I think they're going to be able to get it done. Um, if I happened to change mine, I would say Rangers in six, but I'm going to keep it the same and say Rangers in seven still. Yeah. Uh, I also took Rangers and seven. Uh, I'm going to keep it. But like you said, Nick, um, very different tip, at least the first two games. Game three, they kind of looked more of themselves. Um, but the first two games, they definitely looked almost like shocked. Uh, Vasilevsky was was shaken in, in net, um, letting Zabenejad especially get to him a lot. Um, game three, we kind of saw status quo for the, for the Lightning. They definitely could have been a little bit better defensively. And that's really been their biggest thing is just on the defense. I, I don't know what New York has, has got on them, but they, they are just outplaying their defense left and right. Um, but I, I think with the game three victory, I'm, 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 I still see it going seven. Uh, I think Tampa Bay wins at home again tonight. Um, it goes back to New York. Honestly, I, I think they're just going to keep swapping home wins, and then game seven is just going to come down to a coin flip, basically. Um, but – New York's offense has just gotten better and better and better each series, which is really scary to see if, if they do make it to the finals. Um, listen, Colorado's offense is great, but their defense is horrible. Um, and New York will pick that apart left and right. Um, and we could easily see like 20 goals scored in a game between those two. Uh, this, that's going to be something else to watch. Um, but at the end of the day, New York still needs to get through Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is back-to-back Stanley Cup champions for a reason. Um, and I, I don't see them having any issue with not only building off a win, but just regrouping throughout the rest of the series and definitely pushing this to seven. Um, but New York at home has been lights out, except for game one of the Pittsburgh series. Um, and so, that uh, yeah, I, I see it going seven, and New York at home is just going to be very hard to beat. Um, what, what, do you, what do you guys think? either one makes it to the finals against the Avalanche, who have been a powerhouse. Do you think the Avs' power comes to an end, like I thought the Oilers were going to put to it? Because, I mean, the Rangers have been have the grittiest path. If they go to seven, like you guys had said, and they get through, they've had the grittiest path through. This is the only series that they've led in. Um, they would have gone to seven games in every series, that they've, mm-hmm. or in the last three series. Um, same with the Lightning. The Lightning had a blowout win in the first series, second series. I think they went to no, you, by the way, so they, they went to seven. Yeah, they went to right. Seven then they the went to four. Okay. At the end, in the swept. Um, um, 
but yeah, like, uh, and like you said, they have the experience, they've been there two years. So, um, well, what do you, what do you think there? Um, it's a lightning pull this out. I'm taking the app. I mean, we, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this more in depth. Right. Um, the lightning win, I'm taking the abs. Um, like I said, they've just shown too many defensive weaknesses throughout the playoffs so far, other than the Florida series. Um, but I, I, I don't know what the hell was going on in Florida during that series. Um, but they've just shown too many weaknesses that obviously New York has exploited to this point, but I feel like the, the ass will absolutely just blow wide open with their offense. Um, if it's New York, I feel like that's a coin flip. Like I said, um, New York's offense has just progressively gotten better, and so is their defense. Uh, I still hope Jacob Trubo fucking falls into a subway. Um, not not in front of the train or anything, but I just hope he trips and falls into the subway. Just a scare. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, e- each round, they, they, they're just getting better and better. Um, I always feel like the Az might find a little bit of complacency. Um maybe the first two games and then that'll push it seven. And I feel like that's, that is a series. I mean, either way, I'm going to love watching the finals this year. Um, but that might be the more exciting matchup with the New York team. That's on the rise way ahead of where they're supposed to be as, as a franchise right now, they're in a rebuild last year. And then everybody was like, Oh, they just want to make the playoffs this year. And then they won the first round. Like, okay, well let's just, let's win a couple games in the second round. And then they win the second round. And now they're like, shit, well, we might as well go for it kind of thing. Um, so, I don't, and it, you it, can say that the Penguins lost to the Stanley Cup champions. I, I still don't want to fucking say that. <laughs> then he has to admit New York's the Stanley Cup champions. Exactly. Yeah. I do. I do agree with you, though. Um, yeah. I'd rather see New York in the finals uh, versus Colorado than the Lightning. Um, however, you know they've been preaching about three peat, three peat, three peat. We could see a totally different team. Um, but just seeing the way that, you know, they've performed against New York, I don't, I don't, if I'm Tampa Bay, I don't know if I want to go to the finals against Colorado. Yeah. Uh, like I said, either way, I'm going to be excited to watch the finals. I think it's going to be a great series either way. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I'll have to wait and see who, who makes it and then I'll, I'll make my picks then. Yeah. Um, Moving on, uh, we had a great weekend at Jack's Place in Ohio for the uh, Memorial Tournament. Uh, Billy Horschel comes away with a great victory. Uh, that was really cool to see. Um, everybody has kind of coined him as like Mr. PGA, and it was ironic that I think it was Friday night the Live Golf like field was announced or, or what the exact day was, but it was announced sometime last week, and everybody was talking Saturday night. Like, could you imagine Billy Horschel walking up 18? And like uh, this one guy I follow on Twitter was like, he should walk up 18, like with a bell and just saying like all the guys that are banned from the PGA tour now, they went over to live golf. Um, and we're going to talk about live golf here in a second, uh, but real quick say, what were your thoughts on Billy Horschel's terrific tournament? Uh, his win, the tournament as a whole. Yeah. I think that he had a great tournament. Um, really? <laughs> no, I just mean in terms of like the last couple of weeks we've seen someone goes out to a big lead and then they fucking squander it. Yeah. Um, he did not do that. He didn't really have to do much. I mean, did you guys see the after interview with Jack? He was like, Yeah, uh, that was yeah, that was really cool. Just tried, just tried to do what you and Tiger would do and just just two putt, get to the green and two putt, get through the get through the round. And yeah. uh um, it was just really cool to see that he has 
tremendous respect for Tiger and Jack. Um, I think that it was the coolest part is that that's the first victory he's ever gotten where his family was at the golf course. Um, I think that's the best part for him because it's something he's going to get to remember forever. He could have won the Masters this year and his family not be there and this mean more. So that's that's good. That's walking him or excuse me, watching him walk up 18 and they had the cameras on his family. And his kids are like, oh, look, there's that. I was like, I, I started tearing up. I was like, that shit's cool. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, he crested the hill or whatever. And then, like, they started screaming more and more. But then the crowd went nuts when he hit the green. Mm-hmm. And it's like, scared the shit out of his son. His son started crying. I was like, what the hell is going on? But then he, he sinks that putt, and his family just runs. Like, I'm, they instantly cut back to the camera, and it's just his wife. I was like, where's the kids? And they cut back to him, and his kids are already out there. I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, that, that was really special to see. Um, but his putt on 15 for Eagle was absolutely insane. Um, I mean, every, every tournament has a, mo- has those moments where you're like, okay, that guy's going to win. And obviously 15 is a little late. Um, I forget who was in second. I can't, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, wise. That's what, uh, wise put or up a great fight. He was, I'm not uh, no, sure yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he put together a great tournament. Uh, he is young and he's getting experience. So to have like that, that final pairing on Sunday feel and to know that you were just like a shot or two away and you, you know, you easily could have been a little bit closer, put a little bit more pressure on. Um, but like I said, I mean, every tournament has that moment where you're like, okay, they're going to win. Uh, but when he sank that puddle 15, that was just spectacular to watch. Um, just an insane putt. And at that moment, you're like, okay, no, Nothing can happen unless he has a meltdown on 18, like, uh, yeah, Mita the week before. And even he had a really good week, which was super good to see him bounce back from such a heartbreaking loss. And he played really well this week. Um, you know, this, the, what happened to PGA is almost like something you would like, if that happened to you, like, I would hide in a bunker for a week. And then I, I, I don't think I could ever play golf again. Uh, he goes out there and he was the top five most of the weekend. I think he had a rough Sunday. But still, um, it, was, it was just great to see him bounce back regardless and, and play well. Uh, Nick, real quick, your thoughts on, on his on Horschel's win, uh, the tournament as a whole. Uh, yeah, so I believe I texted you guys on Sunday. Um, I thought he might have been trying to do a little Mito impersonation. <laughs> he was struggling. I want to say he was plus two for the day going into the back nine or s- shortly after the start of the back nine, one of the two. Um, yeah, yeah, you text us, you're like, uh, somebody like really fell apart, and you're like, Horschel's trying to blow the lead or whatever, and I was like, please don't. <laughs> yeah, um, and, you know, he managed to to get himself together and wrap it up, um, and it was kind of a little bit, when I texted you guys about it, it was kind of, he was struggling, and uh, Wise was playing great, um, and I was like, oh, shit, like, here we go, but, um, you know, you shoot minus 12 on a Saturday, you're setting yourself up pretty good, <laughs> you know, for sunday um so luckily he did that you know you you think about that had he shot say minus 10 instead on saturday the leads you know two points lower next thing you know that that pressure that wise is putting on um is a whole lot greater so definitely a great performance from start to finish really he didn't really have a, a bad a bad day i don't believe i don't remember what his score was thursday but um i don't believe it was bad not that i have much to say solid weekend yeah um but it, it was just great. You know, we've seen it, especially over the past couple of weeks, 
you've got these people like you said either somebody has a big lead or and blows it or somebody just has a magnificent you know round on sunday and ends up coming up and stealing the lead he really though he wasn't in the lead after thursday and friday um he kept himself there and then just managed to continue to play good enough to get the win um so that was nice yeah um gotta talk about a little bit more golf here real quick just wanted to say on saturday shot a personal best uh something that i didn't think i was going to do at this point this year with how shitty i played the first few months uh 108 finally broke 110 uh 100 is next um but sticking with golf uh, <laughs> uh sticking with golf uh, we briefly touched on it there. The live golf field uh, for the first tournament this upcoming weekend was announced. Um, some big names. Uh, I, I think the most surprising one was DJ just because two months ago he said, uh, you know, like I'm loyal to the PGA, like I'm not leaving. And then he marries Paulina Gretzky. And next thing you know, he's signed up for the live golf tour. Um, who was your guys? 25 millies. I think it was. That, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot. That would make um, me do for seven starts. <laughs> my, my favorite part was like there, somebody made a meme when uh, it was like one of the pro Rams and he played with Wayne um, and Wayne's like, you know, good luck. She's expensive. And it's like six months later. And it's like, he's signed up to play live golf. Um, <laughs> who was, uh, who was your most surprising announcement? Uh, what do you think of the field as a whole? Um, Nick, I'll go to you first. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep this pretty brief and simple. I think the field as a whole, um, there were definitely a few names on there um, that, you know, I was kind of like, hmm, made me think. But, you know, when you think about PGA and especially this year and, and some of the people who, you know, might be bigger names, so to speak, but haven't necessarily been playing up to their names, um, especially this season, it's not as surprising. Uh, I, honestly, for me, not knowing as much about golf as you guys do, seeing DJ on there was probably my biggest surprise. Um, yeah. Although, when you sent the list to Slade and I, and I was just scrolling down through looking at last names, and I seen Kepka, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I was like, "Oh wait." <laughs> Which um, shout, shout out to Brooks real quick. He got married today. All right. Oh, they said that they meant to send the invitation to Brooks, but it went to his brother. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I, I definitely think that. You know, I, I don't have a, a say as far as whether I think this is good or bad. Um, obviously, competition in the sports world, you know, I, I can't hate on that. There, there's some names. There were some names on there that I like to watch on PGA that um, obviously I'll have to, you know, find out however the hell to watch the other. It's, uh, Liv is on YouTube, I believe they is said, it? for this year. Uh, and, and Unless they sign like a deal before the end of the year, but I'm pretty sure they said all eight. At least in the U.S. Amazon will end up picking them up. Probably. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, luckily none of, you know, the three to five of my favorites. Although I, I did enjoy Dustin Johnson. I, I might put him in my top five. I sit back and think about it as far as to watch. But um, nonetheless, good for him. Again, 125 millies. <laughs> you know, not a bad move. Uh, Slade, uh, did anybody surprise you and your thoughts on the field, at least so far? Yeah, so uh, I the most surprising thing, I think, was that Phil Mickelson wasn't one of the original names named in the list of people that were going to be competing. Obviously, there were six names that they were holding on to, I guess. 
yeah. and then I think it was like two days ago that it was announced Phil Mickelson had entered into play at London. Um, yeah, I think that was the most surprising original thing, just because he he literally lost every single sponsor he had mm-hmm. to like speak up for this other uh, golf um, league starting up and everything. And so like it's just it was confusing um, that he wasn't on there. It it was good for him to see that he's on the second one to know that he's not gonna continue to just not make any money since all the sponsors have left. I mean, he's at least going to get a paycheck for showing up for these things. I'm sure it's a big paycheck because he literally sent Twitter everywhere into a whirlwind when he was dropping all of these bombshells that that were happening. Uh, Someone I wish that they would have taken was Daniel Berger, but... um, (laughs) That makes fucking two of us. Can't can't win them all. Schwartzel was... I forgot about Schwartzel, but Schwartzel was... Yeah, UPS dropped his ass. Yeah. Um... The biggest surprise uh, was honestly DJ. Uh, like there wasn't really much murmurs about him him leaving. And like I said, just a few months ago, he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm loyal to the, the tour. You know, I'm staying." Um, but I mean, somebody dangles 125 million in your face. I can't blame him for doing it. Um, I wish it was under a little bit better circumstances. I wish you know the the issues surrounding this league weren't really there because um, it would be nice to see a competitive league to the PGA open up. Um, not, not necessarily like full scale competition, but like keep a good enough relationship with the PGA. Like, and, and again, it's going to be very hard to ban them from the mat or from not just the masters, but all the major tournaments. Like the, the only one that could really do it was the PGA uh, championship and the tour championship and the players. Um, but well, just, I'm, I'm trying to think of them. See what you're like, yeah. Um, but it, I just wish there was like a better relationship be like, hey, I'm, I want to go play over here for a couple couple tournaments. Hey, I want to come back. Um, the biggest announcement came today. Uh, the USGA came out and said that, um, you know, it's not right to ban these guys from the U.S. Open because they they have earned their spot there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a last-minute thing. We, we don't want to be those people. Uh, you know, we can review it going forward, but whoever signed up to play Live Golf is, is allowed to play the U.S. Open this year, uh, which I think DJ is still going to do it. Phil might do it. Um, but that, that was nice to see at least like, Hey, you know, it's, it's, it's not right to just out of nowhere, ban these people. Um, right. They said that it wasn't a part of their stipulations to get into the tournament, that they already had these stipulations and that the live tournament was not included in those or the live league. So like, this wasn't something that was thought up to put into the regulations and rules to be able to to be be a part of that. Um, which is good because like, it's very hard to earn your spot in that tournament. Um, and at the end of the day, they probably would have been as upset because, like we said, they're getting a fat check. Um, but to, to have that honor to, to go do that tournament still if they want to is, is, is special. Um, as, as for the field as a whole, if Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson don't win every tournament this year, it'll be I – I also don't really understand how it works. I need, I need to wait for this weekend or, or have somebody explain to me how these teams – and like the, the tournament as a whole work, I understand it's only three rounds the shotgun starts, but when they said they're, they're including teams and all this, I just, I just don't understand that part of it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how it works. Um, but just overall, like a very lackluster field to me. Um, and I understand it was probably very hard to pull these guys away from PGA tour. Um, but, you know, only having two, three big names and the, the people roasting Kevin Na after he left, uh, was hysterical to me. Everybody's saying that rounds are going to go 20 minutes faster, faster now. Um, that was great. 
I also just saw a tweet just before we started this. Somebody said, and I, I think this is just, it's either speculation or somebody just putting it out there that uh, Bryson's going to sign with Liv just before the Portland tournament. Um, so we'll have to wait and see about that. Hey, um, uh, yeah. sorry, real quick. Uh, do you think it's make or break that they have this one opportunity this year to play at the, at the U.S. Open? Um, do you think it's make or break that this league doesn't survive if one of their guys does not place in the top five? Um, I, I don't think it's make or break that they have to place in the top five. Um, just because, uh, one, the way the whole field throughout the entire PGA season has been, um, you've had one dominant guy, and that, that was Scotty Scheffler. And, you know, obviously he, he struggled at the PGA. But um, every week it seems like you have three new names at the top of the leaderboard trying, trying, trying to, you know, win. Um, you know, obviously we have had a few different repeat winners, but I feel like the field is just wide open. I wouldn't say this year is make or break. I would say if, if they're allowed to compete next year, um, then it's absolutely make or break because one, they need to get some bigger names in there. And two, um, you know, if you're trying to set yourself up as, as competition to the PGA, you need to compete with the PGA. You, you can't have, you know, half your guys missing the cut at a, at a, you know, the U S open, um, I think they'll be allowed to compete next year because, like I said, this is 100% USGA. This isn't a PGA event. Um, I also see, you know, the the British Open or just the Open, as it's called. They get very offended when you say it's the British Open. Um, but uh, I, I also see that as being another event that won't necessarily exclude people. Um, but, again, we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, we'll especially find out here in a month when, when that tournament goes down. I think it'd be smart for them to offer contracts to every person that wins a tournament this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like if they could sign five of the next 10 winners or something like that, mm-hmm. like if they're, like you said, it's spread out. It's people that you're not really seeing their name up there. Like we had Davis Riley uh, or Riley Davis. I forget which way. Davis Riley. Is. Yeah. But uh, right. um, I can't remember. But, it's been a week. Anyway, you have like, he was up at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, like uh, wise, you have all these guys that they could offer contracts mm-hmm. and bring over if they win. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we've talked about it in our group chats and I, I think a lot of the guys recognize the risk of going there, not, not just for the PGA career, but if, if they sign, they go over there and, and say the PGA comes out and says, you know, you're banned from our events or whatever. Obviously. Yes. Like we just said, you, they can probably still play the U S open, whatever, but if live golf fails and folds, they're, they're fucked. Like, yeah, you got this huge paycheck and hopefully you still get that, but you're not going to keep getting that. And, and now you need to try and find another source of income and, you know, hope that the PGA tour, you know, forgives you and lets you back in. Oh, um, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's not think that fucking Dustin Johnson needs to find another way to get a paycheck after no. this, if this fails in three years. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and I'm not saying I'm yeah, like yeah, guys, guys like that. Yeah. yeah obviously yeah. are fine. I understand what but you're saying. Chase yeah. Kepka or some, someone that's not getting paid much. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like that's probably scaring a lot of the younger guys away. And also they're, they're looking at this saying, Hey, these guys are leaving. Like Max home has made, made, you know, fun of it. And he's like, Hey, spots on the PIP list are opening up. Like I'll move up now. Um, but as a whole, they're like, okay, these guys are leaving. Hey, that leaves spots at tournaments open for me. You know, all this other stuff. I know that I, I, I will have a guaranteed not necessarily a guaranteed paycheck. Obviously, you got to still go out there and make the cut, but you know, more less money, but it's more well backed, I guess I want to say, other than you know, hey, 
we need to see if this this league can succeed first before I, I want to jump over there. And I feel like that's probably what's scaring most of the people away, not just the, the stuff hanging around the, the league and it backed by the Saudis and all this other stuff, you know, political stuff that I, I don't understand. I don't want to get into. And you can say what you want about it. I just feel like the biggest reservation a lot of these guys have is they look at it and they're like, yeah, that's that's a great chunk of change. But I could also just stay here and keep a steady paycheck coming in, get some really good sponsors behind me, especially if more people keep leaving. Hey, the more people leave, the more spots open up for me. The, the higher up the leaderboard I can move, the more money I can make that way. Um, and, you know, I get to play in these really prestigious tournaments, the FedEx Cup, the, the Tour Championship, the players, you know, if the Masters bans them, I can go to the Masters still, um, you know, things like that. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I feel like that's the biggest thing deterring people from going there. I think the Masters will ban them all. Yeah. It's, it's like the most exclusive type tournament. So. Right. Um, I don't I feel like I go either way with the Masters. Um, just because, like, they, they pride themselves on you know, bringing all these different people from all these different, like, minor tours over to come in. Uh, they might be like, they might welcome the challenge, honestly, more so than the U.S. Open or the, the Open and be like, hey, come over here, prove your shit. And, you know, we'll we'll prove that, you know, our guys are, are better than you in every way and they can handle this course better. Um, but again, we'll have to wait and see if one, it survives and two, you know, what, what these tournaments start doing. Um, but I think the U.S. Open and the Open will, will stay, you know, kind of out of it and just be like, if you qualify, come play kind of thing um anyway moving on sticking with the u.s open and the open uh tiger woods announced today that he will not be playing in the u.s open uh in a few weeks in massachusetts he will however play in the open in a little over a month at st andrews um say your thoughts on that real quick uh do you think he's gonna be healthy enough for that um and do you expect him to, to play well there I don't think we see him play well to next year. I, I think yeah. that this was a definite thing that everyone could have seen coming. I mean, the dude was limping around during his practice warm-ups before pulling out on, uh, what was it, Saturday or Sunday? that he pulled Sa- Saturday. Saturday, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I, I not, think this is something. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I think he made the cut and then pulled out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think that this was just – something that we saw coming. I, I don't think that he's going – I think he will play at the Open, but I don't think he's going to perform well until next year. Uh, Nick, same question to you. Uh, your thoughts on him skipping the U.S. Open, and, and how do you think he'll fare at the Open if he does play, and will he play? Uh, yeah, I mean, good for him for understanding that he needs to, you know, take a little extra time. Um, I, you know, we talked about it before, Tiger's Pride. I know it's not easy on him, um, but nonetheless, you know, needs to be done. And you know, if I'm him again, we talked about it before. I don't, I don't even think I would play in the Open. Um, you know, I, I think he needs to get back because we've seen he had almost two months off uh, between the Masters and the PGA, right? A little over a month. A little over a month seemed long yeah but which he spent um, at the southern hills or whatever yeah 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 so um you know i guess maybe it depends on how he spends it if he actually can rest up and you know maybe do some extra rehab whatever instead of spending that time you know going out there and continue to play golf 
maybe it benefits him. Um, but I just I don't think that we say we see Tiger like Slade said. I don't think we see Tiger play more than one round of good golf until next year. Yeah. Um, gonna kind of agree along the same lines. I think it's smart that he skips the U.S. Open. Um, as for the Open itself, I, I've said this multiple times, and until he retires, I will never say that you know Tiger can't do anything. Uh, he's you know obviously yeah he struggled coming back, but people didn't think he was going to play the Masters this year. He played he played all four rounds. Uh, granted, the last two weren't great. Um, Everybody thought he was too beat up from that play the PGA. I think he spent a little too much time playing the course over and over. I think he just wore himself out. But at the end of the day, he still played, still made the cut. The fact that he's beat up as he is and he's still out there and he's the top – has to be top 50 golfer in the world right now because he's made cuts twice. I mean, the Masters is literally the top 50. I want to say the PGA might be top 80. I can't remember the exact number. Um but the fact that he's still going out there at these major tournaments and making the cuts, he knows St. Andrews like the back of his hand. Um, yeah. I don't think he will. I, I think he he knows that course so well. Um, like the Masters, he was there for a couple of weeks. And I think he was just there to make, hey, can I do this? Realize he could. Southern Hills, I, I think the last time the tour was there was like late 90s. Um, so obviously he had to go there and get reacquainted with the course and, hey, can I do this? He knows St. Andrews so well. I think he'll go there probably a week, maybe two weeks before and play. Um, but if if he can at least muster up two rounds, he'll make the cut. Um, but St. Andrews is always like a wild card, especially for the Open. You got high winds. You got a ridiculous course setup uh, with sand traps, the rough, everything. Um if he can play half of his capability, I think he'll finish top 20 at, at the open. Um, just because, like I said, he, the way he knows that course and the way that style of course will play into his game. Um, and a lot of these guys are going to be going there for the very first time. And like I said, he definitely makes the cut for me. And I guess if he can be 75%, you know, overall, I have him finishing top 20. If he's 80%, maybe top five. Um, and if he goes into Sunday, in the top 10, seeing him in Tiger Red on, on Sunday strolling through St. Andrews will be something special. And I think he might just surprise us. Uh, but that's just my thoughts. Um, but I'm very excited to see him play again. Uh, obviously, I want him to get 100% healthy. Um, I think like you guys said, and we touched on this when he backed out of the PGA, it'll take until next April you know, when the Masters roll around again for him to be 100% healthy. Um, but I, I still think he's not somebody, one, you ever count out of a tournament. Like he said, he won't play in the tournament if he doesn't feel like he can win it. Um, obviously, I, I feel like his body just gave out on him after, after the first round at the PGA. Um, I feel like it kind of did at the Masters too. He just didn't want to admit it at that point. Uh, the PGA kind of said, like, listen, I need to. Um, if I want to, you know, have a life basically. Um, but I, I, I'm not counting him out until he comes out and says, I can't do this. Do you think it's a possibility that, I mean, the dude has gone through multiple back surgeries, neck surgery. He's had to change, like relearn how to swing a club 
or change his club swing. Uh, I think it's three times now. I mean, could this be the the one time that he's not able to get past this? It very like, well this, might. This, yeah, like this is the best that we see Tiger. Yeah, for the rest of his career, you know. Yeah, and it, and it very well may be the case. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's a it's a waiting game. No, no matter no matter how you play, it, either he's going to get better or he's not. Uh, you know, and he can come out and say as, as much as he wants it. I'm in the you know I'm in the best shape since my accident and we can't argue with that because we, we don't know be. yeah um it's not it's, saying a whole lot yeah yeah he couldn't golf a couple months ago yeah um he's hitting golf balls for millions of dollars <laughs> yeah somebody said the other I, I saw i don't know how verified this was uh i did see a tweet though that they offered live golf offered tiger almost a billion dollars to go play there again i saw that I too i don't know how verified that is i wouldn't be surprised but at the same time like if you see all these these struggles he's going through i would wait until he's healthy and be like hey here's a billion dollars come play i wouldn't be like yeah. hey the shape you're in right now here's a million dollars or billion dollars come play it's the um, name though yeah and i i 100 mean, agree he was offered three million dollars just to enter into the saudi tournament the last couple of years yeah um that's enough about golf. Moving on, we had the NASCAR debut at Gateway, uh, just outside of St. Louis. Overall, I give the race a nine. I, I felt like it was very good. Um, it, it a lot of people said this, and I kind of agree. It it raced like we thought Martinsville would this year. Obviously, they're, they're having struggles with the the new next gen car, or whatever, uh, on the short tracks as of right now. Uh, overall, I was very thoroughly impressed with the race. Uh, Slade, your thoughts on the race? Uh, and we had a little bit of a scuffle with uh, Ross Chastain, especially with Chase Elliott and Danny Hamlin. Uh, we had a bunch of mix-ups throughout the day as a whole. Uh, we had Ricky Stenhouse and Bubba Wallace. Um, but your, your thoughts on the race? Yeah, so I, I disagree. I thought the race was horrible in terms of um, like a fan's excitement factor. Uh, I thought that it raced almost like a... Uh, like the Roval or something. There wasn't a lot of passing unless it was a restart. Everyone was kind of split up. It, it reminded me of like the Indianapolis 500, but or what would it be, the Indy 400 for NASCAR or whatever? Um, Brickyard 400, yeah. Brickyard 400, sorry. Uh, but it just reminded me of that where like after the restart, about 15, 20 laps in, like everyone's in their spot. That's where they're fucking sitting until green flag pit stops are a caution. Um, I, I just wasn't really a fan of the track. Um, I, I think that... Like you said, uh, it, it's a weird situation with Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott. I mean, we haven't really heard about Chase Elliott from the situation, but everyone's been interviewing Denny Hamlin, Ross Chastain, and even Justin Marks, uh, team owner. Uh, Denny Hamlin basically went off on Ross Chastain because he was interviewed first and said that uh, what goes around comes around. Basically, he can expect it back in, one of, in, in a more meaningful uh, scenario later on in the season. Um, Daniel Suarez, or not Daniel Suarez, sorry, Ross Chastain, uh, wrong teammate. Um, Ross Chastain said that he was really disappointed in himself. He expects whatever ha he has come into him that he basically got into half the, the freaking field um, and that he, he just, he felt as if he looked like a novice driver out there because he was overdriving the corner time after time after time that he, he figured that after hundreds of laps that he should have had it down, but he, he's not getting it down. Um, 
I think that he said that. Then they went back to Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's like kind of backpedaling on his like <laughs> aggressiveness with his first statement. And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, like it, as long as he knows that like he needs to do better and blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, and then Justin Marks comes out, I think yesterday, and it's like, uh, I told Ross Chastain that's the way he needs to drive. If he if he wants to get to his goals or where he wants to be, that he's going to have to move people like that. And Denny Hamlin's like, that's not the way an owner should talk. <laughs> so I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on all that, but I, I did think it was interesting that we didn't hear from Chase Elliott because usually when he's on the butt end of uh, some aggressive driving from another driver, he's it, we've seen in the past, he somehow gets his damaged car up to the front and wins or at least finishes good enough to be able to talk and and say that the person was an asshole. Yeah. Um, as far as Chase, I think Chase has learned, even on social media, he's been quiet. I think he's learned when to pick and choose his battles. I think he's obviously still pissed off at Ross. And I think he will pay him back at some point, but he's he's not going to – he's not as vocal as Denny Hamlin. Um, as far as Denny's – I mean, every time you interview an NASCAR driver as soon as they get out of the car, and they – Denny Hamlin had a great car this weekend. I, I think he qualified top 10. Um, he was running pretty decently in the race, and then, you know, the incident with Chastain happens, ruins his day. And, I mean, without fail, every time you interview a guy as soon as he gets out of the car, yeah, he's going to say some pretty oh, yeah. demeaning shit. Um, and that, that's just the way it is. As, as far as, you know, Chastain's interview, he, he, has, he was very sincere. Uh, you know, he, he took blame, and that's very nice. Same time, this is, this is the same guy who's – this isn't the first time he, he has done something like this this year. He's known as an aggressive driver, and, you know, other drivers – in the, in the field are like that and you either love him or hate him for it and i have i have zero problem with how he raced and i understand a lot of it was a stupidity but b just you know getting knocked around himself and then like hey I, you know i didn't mean to but when you get punted by a car it doesn't matter if he got punted first you know you're, you're gonna be mad at that guy um and so like i said his words were very nice very sincere but is it like a jekyll and hyde thing is he gonna come out and just go right back to to you know aggressively racing people and he at times he does a very good job of towing that line of aggressive to way too aggressive obviously at at gateway on sunday he crossed that line a lot and he understood that but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles it going forward and how other guys around him handle that um you know if the second he even gets the slightest bit aggressive towards them is is he going around uh because People know, you know, what the next step is for him. Uh, back to the race real quick. I, Like I said, I disagree with you. I think it was a very good race, especially watching Bush and Lagana race towards the finish before the caution oh, yeah. came out. That finish was. Yeah, but, like, I mean, back it up to when Lagana was running that man down. I was like, oh, shit, oh, yeah. this is cool. And Blaney's running him down. Um, listen, at the end of the day, like, you need to learn how to drive the track. Like, those guys were up at the front because they understood how to drive the track, and they were gaining on each other. They were pulling away from each other so on. You know, you go back in the field. If you can't pass anybody at that track, that's your own goddamn fault because you're not good. Like that—that's how I took it. Um, it was you had Michael McDowell lead 34 laps, which I thought was absolutely fucking bonkers. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Um, but it was really cool to see guys ebb and flow throughout the field. You know, like I said, McDowell was up there. I don't think he finished inside the top 10. Um, Eric Almarola was one of those guys. He was up battling for the lead. He dropped back a little bit. Was up battling for the lead. I think he finished fifth. Um, overall, I, like I said, I'm not saying it was an A plus race. Um, 
I, I think after Charlotte, Charlotte overachieved. Like I don't, I don't think we're gonna have every race at Charlotte be like that from now on. And I also think there was times that that racing as a whole could have been better. Um, but you went from a track where they're passing each other left and right. You had 30 different leaders or whatever um, to here. It's just a much more technical track. Um, and I mean, coming from IndyCar and Formula One, I can understand that like, Hey, not, not every race is going to have 50 passes for the lead, you know, so on. Um, but I, I, like I said, I'm not saying it was an A plus plus race, but I feel like overall it was a very good race. Uh, Nick, your thoughts real quick on the race. Um, did you watch most of it? I know you and I were talking, well, we were texting Slate about the finishing, um, but your thoughts on the race as a whole. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like I said, the finish was great. The, the setup before the finish, uh, before that last caution was great. Um, you know, they were definitely like, if you, for instance, I texted you guys, uh, Kyle Larson was sitting, I want to say like 14th, 16th, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, he pitted and was sitting in fourth. If you would have told me Kyle Larson moved up that many spots and then had a restart and 20 laps later would be in 20th and there wasn't a caution, I, I don't know what I would take two tires. He, he might have. I'm not sure exactly what happened on, on the pits, but nonetheless, like it was very fast. He was back there. And that was the kind of racing that we had. Um, you know, like George said, there were. There were people up there, uh, McDowell, you know, and then uh, the Stenhouse incident. He was up. I don't think I don't think he was like up high, but um, was up towards the front half of the pack. And the next thing you know, he's in the back, um, which you know is NASCAR to begin with. But nonetheless, it was just it seemed like that kind of day the entire day, um, you know, which might not be as fun as like George said, watching you know fifty lead changes. Um, but it, it kept things interesting, uh, you know, kept me involved in what I was watching. You know, I wasn't like, oh, they're still in the same running order. You know, I can look away from the TV, whatever. It kept me looking at the screen. Um, so slightly different uh, entertainment factor than, you know, what you might think of when you think of an entertaining race. But nonetheless, I thought it was great, especially to finish. Um, I think Bush is, uh, we talked about in the group chat, I think Bush is an idiot for taking the outside. Yeah, but I don't think. See, you guys said that I disagree with you again. Um, I understand his he, reasoning behind doing it. What What um, was his reasoning? Like his brother was because behind him. His brother. No, was not not him, for me. It's not just he, that. But he didn't know his brother would be behind him. You know, it, he did. He did. The other two Blaney, were teammates. They're going to line up together. But Blaney and Logano are team. He wouldn't oh, have. They're well, teammates. That makes sense. That Lagan- makes sense. But no. Unless he was running the. He was no, going the 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 top the top half like at least if you if you cut the track straight down the middle he was running like that inside at the top half so obviously he starts in the top he's gonna have his line right there you know and i understand um from Lagano's perspective you can push him up the track um which was what i thought bush would want um, but then again he was running that line the whole time so i understand he had the line he had his brother behind him you know whatever but his brother didn't give him any push so you know no so for me um like you think about like if you go back to the restart just before that blaney picked a different line than Nagano. blaney was trying to win that race he did, he doesn't give a shit about his teammates anymore that was like he, what 30 laps out though no it wasn't it was like 15 laps still 
I mean, he's trying to get by. He just like he is past the point of giving a shit about his teammates. But anyway, my point is, Bush had restarted on the top just about all race, and he had been the best. No, no, no. It was the opposite. It was the opposite because they said it during the broadcast. What? They said it was the opposite. They said Kyle Bush picked the bottom every single time, and that that would be what he would pick this time to run up into him. Well, then then he chose the opposite. And then he chose the opposite and lost. The last two restarts that I watched, Bush was on the outside. I don't know. Yeah. But Bush was running the top. I was listening to it in the car. Yeah. So So in turn one and two, I knew everybody knew Logano was going to drive it in deep and try and side shot him, which he did. Everyone would. Yeah. Yeah. And that was fine. We're talking about a completely different scenario if Bush drives in the three and four and doesn't lose it. He drove it in there. He was three quarters away through the turn and then loses it up the hill and the Logano drives right by him. If he doesn't do that, we're sitting here going, oh, wow, Kyle Busch was really smart. And in and, and my defense, or in his defense, I 100%, I would have done the same thing. If I've, you can't think about what anybody else is going to do in that situation. You got to be like, okay, I'm the leader. I, I control everything. The restart before, I got a great jump on the outside. I pulled a car length ahead of him. I, I, I think, so... That restart he did, the restart before that, I think he did have the inside. He got a, because Logano was a leader, he took the outside. Regardless, either way, the previous restart, Bush started on the outside, got a great jump, pulled a car like the head, and, you know, Logano had to run him back down. I, I got to believe in myself as, as you know, the, the self-proclaimed best driver in NASCAR that he thinks he is, is I'm going to do the same thing. If my brother is behind me and he gets a good jump and he can push me off in the one, that's even better. You know, obviously he spun his tires. That didn't work out. Um, but I think regardless, even if he would have cleared Logano, Logano was going to send him to turn one and he was either going to wreck him or, you know, pull off the slide job, which I just got to say real quick, of all the people to have a clean race against each other, Logano and Kyle Busch are the two names I would have never picked in my life no. to race each other cleanly to the finish. But like I said, if Bush doesn't get loose in the middle of three and four with coming to one to go, he wins that race. You know, every, every yeah, time see, that was my thing, like, because they were having issues. Um, They both had a couple of times where, you know, you could see them get a little loose in the turns in the last couple mm-hmm. laps. Um, So obviously, you know, by taking it up top, like you're pretty much up there by yourself. You, mm-hmm. you figure Logano down at the bottom, if he happens to get loose and slide up the track a little bit, you know, he gets into Bush or if, if he's past Bush gets into Bush's way or whatever. So like that mm-hmm. was my reasoning. Like I said, I understand you know, the way he was running and why he took the top and whatnot. Um, right. And I'm sure, like, I mean, if, I'm sure if you talk to him, he's like, yeah, I wish I would have taken the bottom. But like I said, going in, going into that, yeah. you're like, hey, I have done really well in the top. You know, it, whether he knew, you know, his brother was behind him or not when he, you know, chose the outside or, or going to be behind him is another thing too. But it's just like, his brother spun his tires. That didn't help. And, you know, he didn't get a great launch either. But, you know, going to three and four, You'll be like, hey, I'm, I, this is going to stick. Like we saw years ago uh, when uh, Johnson and Carl Edwards were racing at Kansas, and Edwards ran him down from like five seconds of game. Yeah, and he's like, it was the last lap. He just – he didn't – I don't think he touched the brake pedal. He just sent it into three and four, and he's like, this is going to stick. And he even – like yeah, you said, like you said in, the, in the interview afterwards, he's like, I thought it was going to be like a video game. It's going to bounce off the wall and keep going. But he's like, you know – at some point, if it, like in the famous line is, if you go for a gap that's no longer there, you know you're not a racer anymore. And if and if you're not going to trust your abilities to make your car stick where you want it to, or, or so on and so forth, and what what's what's the point? And that's why, like, 
Yeah, he probably should have chosen the bottom. I, but I'm just saying, I don't think it was yeah. the worst decision. I think that no matter what, Ryan Blaney was choosing the bottom. Oh, yeah. I think that Kyle Busch knew that Joey Logano had the better car. His car yeah. was faster. So yeah. I think that Kyle Busch needed to get the better start on the inside so that he could mm-hmm. choose his lane in three and four. Yeah. Because he wasn't going to get to choose no matter how good a start he got in one and two. He was going to have to run the, the top. Yeah. And possibly get into that gravel where he's going to slide up. You know, I think Ryan Blaney was no matter what going to push him mm-hmm. because either way he pushes Kyle Bush up, Kyle Bush up into Joey Logano and he passes them both for the win, yeah. or he gets a good thing and he finishes second because he pushes Bush past Logano. Like I, I think either way, look, uh, Blaney was going to choose the inside. Yeah, yeah. He was going to give whoever was in front of him the best push possible. So I think that that's why the inside is what Kyle Bush needed to choose, not because Kyle Bush. Like you had said, he he had a couple good runs on the outside. I think it was because of who was pushing him. Yeah, my my only thing is is so if if Bush chooses the bottom and Blaney does line up behind him, if I'm Blaney, like yeah, I'm gonna give him a good push. I'm not turning my wheels. I am pushing him straight into the wall, like and and well straight enough that like he goes up and not just like hits Lagan or whatever. He just sails, misses the corner completely, and I keep going. He's not the type of guy though. Yeah, he is. He, no. Yeah, he is. yeah. He wants to win a race right now so badly, he would 100% do it. Especially, like, he didn't do it to Joey because Joey's his teammate. Granted, like I said, I don't think he gives a shit about his teammates anymore in the sense of, like, if it came down that, like, him and Joey in the last lap, I think he 100% moves Joey out of the way. Um, But, like, on that restart, he pushed Joey off. He's like, okay, let's get out there so it it is me and you. Uh, And he was licking his chops coming off of three and four. Bush is loose. Logano just barely missed him, and Blaney's on the inside of Logano. Logano, or... Blaney's like, yeah, like finally I'm gonna win one. Um, but if Bush lines up in front of him, in my opinion, Blaney's like, this is my chance to one, you know, keep a, a rival team from winning, and two, you know, I finally get to go out there and, and get a win that I have been so close so many times this year. Like he has had dominant car after dominant car at, at all these races and just gets the shit shittiest luck. Um, so in my opinion, if he lines up in that situation, he punts Bush off in turn one. Um and then you know, he he goes on to the win. Um, so that that uh, honestly, that might have played into Bush's mind too. Is like he knows Blaney's choosing the inside because um, Blaney had really again really good restarts all day on the inside. Um, so he sees that and he's like, okay, I know he's going to go inside, so I got to go outside and hope he punts his teammate or something like that. Um, anyway, it, so it was a great race, and now we go to a road course in Sonoma uh, over an Indy car. Will Power wins uh, the Detroit Grand Prix the last time. Uh, for the foreseeable future, it'll be run at Belle Isle. Uh, I had a love-hate relationship with Belle Isle. Ryan Hunter Ray had a great win there. Uh, but Rossi absolutely ran down willpower. I, if there was another lap, I really, I really wish there was another lap. Um, just It was weird because like that, the time was coming down, coming down, coming down, and then it just stopped at seven seconds. I was like, oh, it's over. And the next thing I look back up, and it's three, two. I'm like, holy shit, he's coming. And then like they zoom in. Um, Still, it was, it was a great race. It was good to see Rossi just run well in general. He has really struggled here, unless it's at Indianapolis. Um, moving on, real quick, debate. Uh, Nick, bone in or bone – or yeah, yeah, bone in or boneless wings? Listen, I get into this argument with people all the time, um, and I have a lot of reasoning behind it, so hear me out here. Um, okay. I say boneless. So I understand – the hatred towards boneless wings people say they're chicken tenders i understand um so first of all they're cheaper second of all 
I'll give it a conservative 90% of places that you go, you will get more meat in the boneless wings than you do in the bone-in. Yeah. So I, I'm an efficient man. I, I like to be very efficient in things that I do. So if you're telling me I can get more meat or less money, um, and usually, typically, like, say you go to Buffalo Wild Wings and you order a large bone-in versus a large boneless, you're talking, like, 16 bone-in wings versus say 20 large wings i don't know if those are the actual numbers buffalo yeah. wings uses but nonetheless um so not only are you getting more meat per wing but you're getting more wings too um, for cheaper so again hella efficient second if i'm eating wings there's a really good chance that i'm watching some sort of sporting event mm-hmm. and it's so much easier to just either a pick it up with my finger or b stick a fork in it dipping in my blue cheese totally different debate we're not going there tonight but dipping in my blue cheese and continue watching my sporting event so yeah boneless wings so we're all going to be team boneless slate why do you prefer boneless to bone in i two things okay like nick it's cleaner it's easier um number two I don't like the like the tendons, like the the stringy parts yeah, that's of fair getting enough. stuck in my teeth. Uh, yeah. Like if if I'm gonna eat them at home, that's fine. Like if I'm just sitting here watching the game or something like that, I'll eat the bone in. Like if I if that's all it's there. But if I'm buying them, I'm always buying boneless because yeah. I just think it's it's a better option. I mean, I'm fine with them being half a chicken tender, whatever. They're good. Yeah. yeah. Right. Whatever. Say what you want about me. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm going uh, ranch. You Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm ranch too. Um. <laughs> But the reason I prefer, like, if you hand me drums, I'll eat the shit out of drums all day. Um, like, obviously, I prefer boneless for, like you said, Nick, like, the, the meat to the meat ratio is just more. Um, it, it's a little bit cleaner, but <laughs> shut up. Um, like, when, if you hand me a flat chicken wing, I, I fucking despise those. Like, I, I hate trying to eat flats. You always lose, like, 10% of the meat in there. Like, I love drums because you can get the whole thing. You can clean that bone off and it's easy. Yeah, you can eat that with one hand. Suck the bone. Yeah. If you eat a flat, you got to sit there. You, like everybody has these like stupid tricks. They do like the umbrella or whatever. Or you get, you gotta, that's you gotta that's deconstruct that's the wing yeah. to get all the meat out of there. And it's just way too much effort that I want to put into eating a food. The only, the only food that should ever require that much effort is a crab. So that's, that's why I'm team boneless. Uh, real quick, our top five, speaking of wings, uh, our top five wing flavors. Nick, let's have you go first. All right. So first one, uh, this is my only really bitchy one on this list, but I went with the salt and vinegar rub. Um, I think I had it first at B-dubs, but I, or no, I had it first at three finds or whatever the hell we were talking about earlier. Um, it's, it's a change of pace. Usually when I get wings, I get two flavors. One's usually hot. One's usually a change of pace. Um, Salt and vinegar, you know, a little, little salty, a little something different, um, you know. So, yeah, I like the change of pace. Number four, Nashville Hot. I'm going to thank George for putting me onto this one. Um, I knew of Nashville Hot, but I didn't realize that it was, like, a legit actual wing flavor. Um, I thought it was just some KFC shit, but it's busting at KFC, so I'm putting it on here because I'm sure if I like the KFC version, I'm going to love the regular version. Um, three mango habanero again sweet spicy um, it's good i like especially if i'm eating wings um, i like a good decent amount of heat uh, the habanero in there some mango habaneros like i want to say that it is b-dubs mango habanero is weak as hell maybe it's not b-dubs but nonetheless i've had it somewhere where it's just weak if i am eating something i order something and i say the word habanero it 
better burn my ass when it comes out. Number two, uh, Old Bay Road. I think we might have mentioned it on an were we talking about Old Bay in last week's episode for some reason? I don't remember. Or was that beforehand or after? Either way, Old Bay um, is like, is it Frank's Red Hot Sauce? I think it was before because I put Old Bay on my pizza. Yeah, it was before. But yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but either way, I put that shit on everything. I don't know. It might not that, be. That's Frank's Red Hot. It is Frank's. Okay, good. Good shit. Um, and number one, uh, garlic parmesan. Again, I normally like my wings hotter. But garlic parmesan is one of those things where you go to a restaurant, you order it, it's good. Every time you get it, um, you know, it never disappoints. It's never one of those, it's never hot to where you can't eat it. Can't go wrong with it. Number one, garlic parmesan. All right. Slade, now that you're done fucking with my top five, what is your top five? <laughs> well, I had to make it different because we, <laughs> <laughs> Nick's is basically all but salt and vinegar, a variation of our two. So I was just trying to, okay. Um, my the banging wing flavors. I don't know what you want from me. Coming in at number five was just original mild. Um, I usually get that over anything just because it's something that they no no restaurant can mess up. Yeah, like Fair it's enough. it's an it's the same spice everywhere you go. Um, second, it, yeah. So second, first time I ever tried it was at college. There was this place you could go to every night and get like twelve wings, boneless, um, for like five bucks or something like that. Mango habanero, by far favorite. Um, okay. It's just, it's not everywhere, so you don't get to try it all the time. Yeah. Um, number three is Carolina Heat. Sometimes it's called uh, Carolina Blaze, I think, at some places, but it's it's a spicy one. But uh, I, I, I really like that one. It's just I don't want to be sweating my ass off while I eat, so that's why it's at number three. Um, number two, Buffalo. That's if I'm ordering it to the house because it's already going to be cooled off a little bit by the time it gets there, so it needs to be a little bit hotter than mild. Um, and if I'm eating out and I'm going to be going elsewhere and stuff like that, I don't want to be sweating my dick off, so I go with Honey Barbecue, keep it safe, with my ranch. <laughs> I'm just I'm a little confused by saying that you order buffalo when you eat at home because the heat cools off. The spice is still there. The wing's just colder. No, 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 no. no. I, yes! don't heat the, I don't heat the wing up, so I just eat it how it comes. I understand, but it's still spicy. It doesn't make it any less spicy. No, I, I no the spice of the, the heat or the temperature of the chicken mm-hmm. makes a difference. It does. I, I will. Try eating like a wing, a hot wing, when it's hot versus okay. in the fridge the next morning. Okay. I, just, I that I don't understand the way it came out at first. At all, yeah, but. I'm not I'm not this great. Just the way it came out, I'm like, how how does that make any sense? Like the spices is up here, is still there. Okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, my top five. Number five. I have a, any spicy barbecue. Like I, I love the taste of a regular barbecue wing. You add a little bit of spice to it. It's chef's kiss. Um, you know, you get the sweetness, you get the the tangy, and you get the heat. Perfect. Number four. I have mild because I'm a bitch. Uh, I don't like spicy food at all. Uh, mild. Mild at, at Buffalo Wild Wings is like on the border making me sweat. I, I accidentally ordered medium one time and I, I don't think I even finished the wings. I was sweating so bad. Um, I don't like heat. Number three, I have Old Bay Rub. Uh, you know, obviously this isn't everywhere. This is like a Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey kind of thing. Um, I don't even think they sell Old Bay here in North Carolina, which is a travesty. Uh, but anyway, uh, I absolutely love an Old Bay Rub on a wing. Uh, can't get wrong with it. You were talking about it. I really miss Scazzaro's. Uh, it used to be in New Oxford. 
Uh, now it's the Bourbon Mill. Um, I haven't had their wings. I don't know what that's what, what their wings are like, but Cazaro's used to have the best Old Bay Rub wings. Uh, number two, I have garlic parmesan. Like you guys said, you you can't go wrong with garlic parm. Um, if there was this one place, I want to say it was, I think it was in uh, Davino's, Davino's back home, um, douses that shit in garlic, and that that is that is great. Um, try their wings sometime. Uh, and number one, I have Cajun Ranch. Uh, we have East Coast Wings and Grill down here. They make really good wings, but their Cajun Ranch is so freaking good. Um, you, you pick it up and this, this stuff's just dripping off. It's a really messy wing, but that, that, that sauce is just so good. Uh, I don't think I've ever had anything better. Um, I love down to me. I could easily eat like 50 of those wings in one sitting, especially if they're boneless. If, if you try to make me sit there and eat 50 bone-in wings, uh, I think I might lose my mind. Um, it ain't weird. No. But anyway, that is our top fives and our episode for this week. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Hey, bringing real this quick. Yeah. Something that happened just now while we were recording. Um, so Tampa Bay scored the first goal. Uh-huh. Uh, they're up one nothing, And then later on after that in the first period, um, one of the Lightning players shot a very obviously wide goal shot. It didn't go in. It was like fucking 10 feet to the left. But uh, they, they rang the bell and the horn. And so it stopped play because someone somewhere thought that that went in. That's great. Oh my god! Yeah, that that would that would I would do something like that if I was sitting there. Like if I'm sitting there watching a Bengals yeah, yeah. game, like let's go. It's just actually, yeah, yeah. slap the Ah, oh, shit. Yeah, you definitely that's, can't that's be funny. a fan and do that no. job. <laughs> oh, that's funny though. Uh, but yeah, so that'll wrap up our episode. We thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Nick is in his new setup. Uh, Slade's enjoying the hotel life. Uh, but we look forward to bringing you guys another episode next week of the once weekly, never weekly show that I think we've done four weeks, four or five weeks in a row now. Three, so I would say three to five somewhere. Sh- shout out to us. Um, sure. But as always, thank you guys My for checking us out. Ready to get here, so good yeah. luck on keeping this week going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but make sure you guys uh, like, share, go follow us, subscribe. I think that's everything. Uh, and we will see you guys next week, hopefully.